Hey. Oh, hey, Jeff. What's going on, guys? Oh, you know, talking about Superman. Oh, cool. I could talk about Superman. I could talk some more about Superman. We know. I'll bet a few people would want to get in on this. I'm down. You know it. That sounds like fun. I'll do it. Cool. Let's do it. We can call the show Men of Steel. And you can find it at certainpov.com. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Yay. Welcome back, serial killers, to another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. I have the perfect movie just in time as we are coming out of spooky season, but I feel like there is never the wrong time for a sexy homoerotic vampire movie, and that is what I have with you today. And to talk about said vampire movie, I have one of the stars of the current cast of Mean Girls the Musical on tour uh, as Janice Ian. I have Lindsay Heather Pierce. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you so much. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> <laughs> when when you threw this out on Instagram, I was like, oh, oh, yes, this has to happen. Must. Must, must. Um, <laughs> must, must, must. So for anyone who does not know you, why don't you introduce who you are and tell us kind of where your love for this movie started? Okay, yes. My name is Lindsay Heather Pierce. I, you might know me from, uh, a lot of people know me as the Gerber baby from Glee. <laughs> um, I did Glee Project. I've done Glee. Um, I was most recently in uh, Wicked. I was playing Alphaba in Wicked on Broadway. And now I am touring the uh, North America, because I was going to say America, but now we're in Canada. Um, so we're touring North America with Mean Girls, the mm -hmm. Broadway national tour. And I am playing Janice um this movie okay so the first time I ever saw this film it was the end of the film I, I had turned the tv on this is probably in 94. 94 so this came on on tv so it had been some years I'm gonna say I saw it on television around the age of nine or ten um probably on TNT probably oh. like have you know what I mean? Like probably heavily edited for television, but mm -hmm. I didn't see the whole film. Mm -hmm. I only saw the, like from the final interview with David, Christian Slater, yum, yum, yum. Final interview up until the car driving across the Golden Gate Bridge and, and uh, Tom Cruise like fixing his lace. And, and he just ate Christian Slater. That's like the amount that I saw. And I was like, what was that? I loved every minute of it. Like I was like, and mind you, like I was, it was rare to be left alone with the television on clicking through channels willy nilly. Like there mm -hmm. must've been a mm -hmm. film on, like it must've been on and playing or it just got turned on. I somehow managed to see like the final, I would say 10 minutes of the film. And I was like, yum, 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 had to, had to, had to. And I remembered that it was Interview with a Vampire because there had been a commercial before the moment that I'd seen. And it was like still playing, like there was a little pop-up thing at the bottom of the commercial that was like TNT is still playing Interview with a mm -hmm, Vampire. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was like, what is that? Now, mind you, mm -hmm. I didn't really remember the name, but I remembered the faces. I knew that it was Tom Cruise and I knew that it was Brad Pitt. And I was like, 
what is that? And for years following until about the age of like 16, 17, for years following, I would go, what's that like period piece movie with vampires? And it was like young Brad Pitt, young Tom Cruise, 90s. Like, what was that? It had just stuck in my brain then. I went on a college mm-hmm. tour of all the USDs in Southern California with my high school. So this was like a like a weekend, like a long, like a Thursday to Sunday long trip doing uh, college tours. We went to Pembroke. We went to uh, like San Diego. We did we did Santa Barbara, um, Azusa Pacific. Like we did a, a tour of all these theaters or all theaters, lol, of all these colleges and. I knew I wasn't going to a single one of these places. Um, <laughs> so I was like there. And then we had like a Disneyland trip is all I remember was we were like, <laughs> like late juniors mm-hmm. slash seniors. Oh no, we were, we were sophomores. That's right. We were sophomores. So I was maybe 15, maybe mm-hmm. uh, 15. And I, this is very important information. I had a portable DVD player um, on me. Uh-huh. And I traveled with this portable DVD player. And I think I had like Ice Age <laughs> and like uh, uh, Shelly uh, Shelley Duvall's Fairytale Feast Theater, Labyrinth, like my faves. I had like my faves. Good choice. And, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and mm-hmm. I, I remember taking that box set with me because I was like, I'm going to need all the help I can get. Getting through. I went through so many batteries watching like watching my portable dvd player on in this in this like tour bus that we were on um mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. i we were in i think it was uc santa barbara and we went into we were allowed like 45 minutes in like the school like shop like the like just like the sh- like a mm-hmm. I don't even know what to call it. Like it was like a student store. It had books. It had books for sale, not just textbooks. It was like, you know, we, we probably Anne Rice novels. I mean, it had, it had everything. And then there was a section of discount DVDs. Mm -hmm. I'm going through and I was like, I have money to spare. Like I was sent with like $200. Like, you know, to like the mm-hmm. stuff, that money that I saved and par- like my parents allowance. Like I was sent with money for food and like to buy a little fun thing. So I was flipping through these DVDs and I kid you not, a DVD of Interview with a Vampire was there. And I pulled it out and it my whole body. I went, because oh! it was Tom Cruise and it was Brad Pitt on the fucking, mm-hmm. can I, can I cuss? <laughs> can I curse in this? On the fucking Oh cover. yes, please do. Yeah, and as much that, as you want. Yeah. And it and it was that and it's that it's the cover with Tom Cruise like with his nails and his teeth and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh my god." And I flipped it around and I saw the back and I was like, "This is it." And it was like it was like vampire doing interview in San Francisco, New Orleans, like yada yada. And I was like, "Oh my god. I have found the movie." I found the movie and I'm going to get to see the rest of the movie up until those last 10 minutes that I can't, I had no idea what the film was about. So I put, I put my little DVD in that portable DVD player and I was watching it. And then I very quickly realized that it was a very adult film and, and, and I was at a, at a private Christian high school. So I was like watching this DVD. (laughs) I was, I was hiding it. Like I was like with my portable DVD, I was like covering mm-hmm. it, 
Mm-hmm. And then it got to like, it got to like the theater de, de, de la vampire or whatever it is. Like the, the vampires pretending to be humans, pretending to be vampires. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, she's naked. Oh my God. I hope nobody sees me watching this. Like I was like just covering it. Absolutely trying to make sure. And then I watched it on repeat for probably the next two years of my life. Like I just loved it. The design, the story. Oh my God. And I knew about Anne Rice because my dad was a really big reader in the eight, like, and she was obviously like extremely prolific Mm -hmm. and she's obviously passed on now, but it was, I knew about the books. Mm -hmm. And then once I'd read or once I'd seen the film, I went and I read most of the series. And I actually recently, I told you this, I recently reread Interview with the Vampire because I knew we were going to do this. And I was like, wow, I don't remember it being quite Uh so homoerotic and then like trigger warning like a little pedophilic like there's a little bit of pedophilia in there a lot of bit of pedophilia in there um you know and like the questions of morality of like living forever and being a child and like that young everybody wanted to eat young boys Mm -hmm. the whole time like it was just i i don't really know anything about Anne rice beyond some of the work that she's written but okay Mm -hmm you know okay and uh it's just been it's been one of those yeah, i'm pretty sh- i'm pretty sure it's one of the films that turned me a little gay you know what i mean like i think it was one of those films that like made me <laughs> yes it a is a little queer <laughs> it was like a sexual oh. awakening <laughs> and mm-hmm. i'm sure it was for you as well oh yeah well i'm i don't think i actually saw it till i was 23 or 24 for the first I was time say, what's your yeah because uh, i too came from a well i I was a very conservative Christian kid growing up. And mm-hmm. so we didn't do spooky horror things. We certainly didn't do the vampires because I very much, my mother growing up was the God warrior from wife swap. So it's the gargoyles yep. and the devil. And it's of the, the Satan. And did you pray for me? Did you yep. think of me? It is not Christian. It's dark sided. Um, yep. And so I definitely was like in a room of like depraved queer people drunk watching this movie for the first time and going i've never cared about tom cruise or brad pitt until this moment in time and i suddenly care a lot about brad pitt and tom cruise in this moment uh you know uh but it you know it's i've always loved kind of because it was the same time that i discovered buffy so i was probably 20 (gasps) i think Mm -hmm. and so very much Mm -hmm. like uh because we're talking, this is probably 2004 when this happened, like 2003, yep. 2004. So like I was like just coming into my own as like my own queer person and like yes. Spike had heavily coated me in Buffy. And so like this, like vampires are always, it probably wasn't until Twilight that I went, maybe I prefer the werewolves to the vampires, right. but uh, I will still always pick vampires at the end always. of the day. <laughs> always. They're cleaner. so they they are cleaner there's also there's also something so sophisticated about vampires Mm -hmm. because it's you either lean into like i mean it also is because a lot of the time the stories we have of vampires are of a class of human that is not a working class human necessarily so um Mm Or if they are, they're messy. So like, but it's still, it's just, there's something really refined and old. Cause it's even like in Twilight, I cared way more about like Carlisle and Esme than I cared about or than yeah. anybody else. Or like when the Voltori showed up, I was like, 
Oh, so we've got 3,000 year old vampires who are just better yeah. than everyone. I love this. Um, <laughs> and it was really funny because when I watched this uh originally like a month ago and then early you know this week revisiting so much of like the interesting aspects of the history of this movie of when in time it is set really is what i went oh i never appreciated this as when i was younger but now as like adult like an adult who's also like a designer and things i went oh so much more of this movie is so fun and important to me now that i took for granted when i originally saw this movie because i actually think looking at it i saw queen of the damned before i saw interview with the vampire yes and very different films very different but like i love them equally very different i don't care i don't care i love them equally Mm -hmm. i do too very very different Mm -hmm. listat very different different design obviously a different era of like we're not mm-hmm. we we kind of jump timelines as you do in in the book of queen of the damned as well but it's you know there's mm-hmm. a there i mean i know that this is not an episode on queen of the damned but it can be like a sub episode but the you know the the idea of like <laughs> yeah. of like of a vampire trying to blend into modern society and and being out quote unquote which mm-hmm. is like queer as hell um but also mm-hmm. the like mm-hmm. yeah, the first film or not, not the first film. Cause they're almost, I wouldn't even really connect the two. I wouldn't, I, I don't even think they're really in the same no, world not at all. because they were Mm-mm. in such, I don't like, I wouldn't say mm-hmm. that it's like a vampire series. I would say that there is one film of interview with the vampire based mm-hmm. on the book. And then there's a film of queen of the damned based on a book. Like I wouldn't even connect the two, but mm-hmm. I, what's so different no. about, interview is it is it is a autobiography it is a it is a memoir of the past and we don't really see louis try to mm-hmm. adhere to to modern society he just kind of exists there and is in the mm-hmm. outskirts like you see him go to the films you mm-hmm. see him go to the movies he stay he goes back to new orleans you know we don't see him traveling the world when um when Claudia dies and you don't, you don't see, you don't see how he just says that. And in the book, there's a little bit, same of that description, but it's the same stuff of like a montage of him going and trying to find answers. And that's, I think the beautiful thing about the separation between mm-hmm. Louis and Lestat is that Lestat loves to be in the now, mm-hmm. whereas Louis is stuck in the past. And that is what makes him so haunted mm-hmm. and, and, um human you know or like it's Lestat can only live in the now which is what kind of makes Lestat ethereal and untouchable is that he always wants to be moving forward and he oh he wants he he wants the zest of life he will literally eat the world if he could and in so many ways because he has to have the newest thing And, and I mean and Lestat could be an entire conversation of like consumerism and 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 like the queer the queer experience mm-hmm. of what are you even supposed to look like as a queer person and what are you supposed to be interested in and like how do you right. fit mm-hmm. into those slots and it's just i i could go on and on and on but you know also like kind of the i remember watching queen of the damned next i didn't see queen of the damned until after i'd seen interview mm-hmm. and i loved queen of the damned because i was an emo kid and i loved like 
the disturbed and I loved, you know, and I loved, I loved the leather oh, and yeah. the, the, the punk goth influence and the music of Queen of the Dam. It's, it's an impeccable soundtrack. It's untouchable. It's not skippable. It's also good. Oh, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, and then you're in London, whereas you're in, you're in Paris in a lot of interview with the vampire and you're in new Orleans. Mm-hmm. So you really have the French influence, but you have this London influence and then death Valley mm-hmm. and LA, which I like, I lived in LA for 11 years. So watching the film makes me, I know where they're sitting. I, I know when they're at the Griffith observatory mm-hmm. and, um, <laughs> and, and it's, it's just, it's still fantastical in that as well. And like Asaka and the whole, um, Asaka. That is once on this island. Akasha is the god. <laughs> Asaka is once on this island. A- yeah. Queen Akasha <laughs> is Aaliyah, um, who's also incredible in that film. Aaliyah is so unbelievably good, mm-hmm. and God rest her soul. Truly, what we a lost loss. her way too what soon. Loss. Way mm-hmm. too fucking soon. <clears throat> but also, like that. I think. I think um, Queen of the Damned is a really good example of using something as inspiration. Because Lestat is not blonde, mm-hmm. as he is in the book, and as he is in Interview with the mm-hmm. Vampire, and we they really just kind of le- they lean into letting the actors do the work rather than kind of pushing them into mm-hmm. being a character. And then now leaning all the way back, I'll take us back to mm-hmm. Interview with the Vampire. Anne Rice did not want Tom Cruise to play that part. Anne Rice was so against she did Tom not, Cruise not playing Lestat because he not only did he not look like Lestat first and foremost, but she was like, "Who is mm-hmm. this like ultra mega star?" And then she had you know the slightly still kind of slightly unknown Brad Pitt, but like Tom Cruise was already Tom Cruise when they did this film, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise had never played a role like Lestat before. And I have to tell you, it's some yes. of his best work. He's so incredible in this film. Is. And the transformation, and then I love the story. I'll probably get it wrong, but you you probably know it. But the Anne Rice coming to set and seeing him play Lestat, she was like, and mm-hmm. and Tom Cruise going to her and being like, I promise I will treat this role with the same amount of love and respect as you did when you were writing him. And she, mm-hmm. she saw like the dailies and saw the cuts of the film and was like, that's Lestat. That is Lestat. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that's some, it's some of the best Lestat that we're ever going to get on film ever. She begged them in pre-pro to actually switch them and have Brad Pitt play Lestat, which I, it's one of those that it's, it's yeah. a, cause we've gotten things like Frankenstein at the national where you got Johnny Lee Miller and Benedict Cumberbatch playing the monster and the doctor and switching back and forth. I yes. would love to see a world where we could just see a cut of what that film would have been like, but totally. uh, yeah, it's, it's so weird because there's also uh, the story beyond that of like, she came with actors in mind and mm-hmm. one of them was Jeremy Irons. And <gasps> once I read that, all I could think of is what Jeremy Irons Lestat would have been. Oh, yeah. God. Like I just went, Oh, that would have, it would have been so much. It would like Tom Cruise is lovely as Lestat in this. Yeah. Oh, it would have just been, it would have been pure theater. It would have been, been, I mean, yeah, we did end up getting that with like Antonio Banderas. Yes. Oh, it would have been pure Shakespeare, which yes. a lot of the story very much is. But mm-hmm. I also didn't realize that at one point, Anne Rice 
understood the homoeroticism that she had put in the book because depending on where you hear her in time after she converted to catholicism later in her life she yes. really like renounced a lot of the queer the inherent queerness in her books which is a bummer considering her son is a queer novelist who right. pretty much made the first 20 years of his career writing queer no stories um but she apparently wrote an entire version of the script because they also started the movie making process of this book in 1976 before it was even published like they purchased the movie rights to this in the 70s and it and transferred between two different it. studios before it eventually ended up being made in the 90s mm -hmm. and she even at one point in the mid 80s wrote a version of it with um oh where is it here um with louis as a female character because she was like they're never going to contextualize the relationship properly because hollywood is so afraid of queerness right. um and she wrote louis for share so it was originally oh share as louis oh if it had been God. produced in like 1985 <laughs> here's the thing and here's the thing it's kind of a no for me but like i would kill to see that film uh-huh like, I would kill to see that film. Well, Stan, look at what you did to me. <laughs> look at what I am. It's and, and, just, and it they would have put a song in there. They would have made a song happen somehow. Like they would have made oh, her sing. Well, that, well, okay. That's the next, that's tell the next. Tell me more. That, tell me more. That is the next bit of trivia is that she wrote the song. She wrote the song Lovers Forever with Shirley Alcard uh, for the film's soundtrack. Um, and uh, it, it was then put forward into the actual movie because it was the same studio making the movie as it was supposed to in the 80s and so they kept the song but brad pitt was like absolutely not uh when he got cast well no no i'm sorry i'm Very reading fair. this incorrectly um they got well they got rid of the song when brad pitt was ultimately cast as louis because it was apparently a shock that they were they were apparently still looking at men and looking at women and had the mm. two identical scripts that just changed the gender though there's so much of louis story that changes when it is a wife being taken out of yes a southern plantation family versus mm -hmm. the master being yes. taken out like it's it's very different but she did release yeah. the song uh in 2013 on her closer to the truth album uh which is a lot of just stuff also before we go on i didn't realize that um christian slater was a last second fill-in because river phoenix had the role it was his role and then he died Passed. like three weeks before they were starting filming imagine that film oh oh i mean i just imagine the last i imagine the last 40 years of film if he had still been alive yes like he's so i just Riv river imagine and Steve, like are, are two of those actors that you're just like mm -hmm. you miss them all the time and you hope they're doing well wherever they are and like we'll mm -hmm. never see we'll never see yeah performers like that again like they were they were once mm -mm. in a lifetime mm -mm. just gone too soon and Aaliyah I mean what an interesting thing that like we did yeah. get Aaliyah for Queen oh. of the Damned and then we lost her and Queen of the Damned mm -hmm. like it could have woulda shoulda coulda you can do you can do the what ifs all you want but like watching her in that film I'm mm -hmm. like she is one of and there are some incredible fucking actors in that film she is the highlight mm -hmm. She is mm -hmm. the entire reason. She steals mm -hmm. the entire film. 
period. She steals the entire film oh, from yeah. these heavy hitter actors who have been doing it forever. It, she came in as a pop star and she said, or she came in as like, as like a hip hop R and B artist. And she said, watch what the fuck I can do. And she was sensual and she was heartbroken mm -hmm. and she was evil and she was vulnerable. And it was just like, and what an, what a wild thing. And this happens more often than not, you know, roles being switched mm -hmm. over or people being in mind and then they have to drop out or you lose oh, them yeah. mm -hmm. to death. Mm -hmm. You lose them mm -hmm. for, to them passing away. Mm -hmm. And like what an, it had to be because it couldn't be river. It had to be Christian had to be Christian because he's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's that really yeah. is the only exchange oh, yeah. that you clearly could have. perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he ended up donating his entire salary from the movie to Phoenix's uh, favorite charity. Um, and then they uh, dev they dedicated the entire movie to him. Oh um, my god! Also, I just thought it was funny that Kirsten Dunst was, yeah, and Kirsten Dunst was found at like a mall. Uh, and she was the very first girl that was tested for Claudia. And, and I'll tell you what, ball, which I just think is so crazy to think about. Literally the best part of the film. She's insanely good. She's, insane. She's brilliant. There is a reason yes. why she was nominated for Golden Globe for this and for Little Women, because she yes. is an incredible performer. Incredible. I will never. And that was something when I was watching it on that little DVD player as a young performer, I was like, mm -hmm wow you know what i mean and it wasn't one of those things like mm -hmm. and 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 i i only say this because it is a a trend where like you get these almost savant young actors mm -hmm. these like child actors and then you expect them mm -hmm. to be in such an open and malleable place constantly through their careers and when they can't do that because they're a child star and they mm -hmm. have to shift around and like what yeah. they were able to do as children and the impact of what they could do as children is different than what they can do as an adult. They tend to be mm -hmm. labeled as like, not as good when they're yeah. older. Not, not it for, I'm sorry. I don't care what anybody says. Kirsten Dunst mm -hmm. is still unvergin believable as an actor. Like Claire Danes, same thing. Un, unfucking believable. Unbelievable as an actor. Like, and going back to Little Women, like unbelievable as an actor. Uh, Winona Ryder, unbelievable. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh God. Mm -hmm. That movie is brilliant. That so is good. where my unhealthy uh, crush on um, Christian Bale started. Hundred uh, percent. That and Newsies. 100%. Uh, again, I had a lot of like liter. Oh. Uh, well, and I didn't watch Newsies till so many years later. So, but I oh, had yeah. growing up again uh, very sheltered. But my mom had no issues with me watching anything based on literature that she liked. Mm. So, the uh, Mia uh, Mia follows Anne of Green Gables was in my house often, yep. along with the Little Women film. Um, and uh, I always say that I still have a hard time because the men that I'm attracted to are neither Lori nor Gilbert Blythe. So I, I have Forever to come to terms with that. So I've gone with even more toxic literary, more. <laughs> oh, I mean, the, I mean, the goodest of boys forever, forever looking for my hello. I'm in Canada. It's like, where are, where is he? Where is he? Find him. Where is he? I just, 
Mm-hmm. Where's mm-hmm. where is he? But Julie, and that's, <laughs> and that's the interesting thing is I like I always want I always want a Gilbert Blythe, but I end up like falling in love with an Armand. You know what I mean? And I just can't, or like I fall in love, I fall in love with a Lestat, and I'm like, you're hurting my feelings. Oh I yes, I toxically chase the Lestats. Uh huh. Yeah, toxically. Mm-hmm. Oh, toxically. but like, who doesn't want a? <laughs> who doesn't want a beautiful man with long, gorgeous hair who is European uh, and owns his own theater? Like, honestly, I'll right tell you, now, I would also like absolute to absolute dream. I don't care dream. if your friends are weird. And I would also like to say, I know that they cannot see me, but Maddie can. And they can attest that my hair is literally Louie right now. <laughs> I have, I it's, have Louis. Yes, yeah, it I'm absolutely is. <laughs> I'm, giving, I'm giving Louis. It's the same length. It's the same cut. Listen. <laughs> and that that is queer influence, folks. <laughs> that, that is queer culture. That is, that is queer. That, that is the... That is the true queer coding. Like it is, it is just, it's, it's such a thing. So let's jump in. And like, so I have not read this novel in probably 20 years. So I've forgotten a lot of it. And I, everyone knows I'm currently living in and around a cruise ship. So uh, books are not something that I have with me right now. I did think about going and purchasing a used copy, but let's jump in. What are some things that you think you know, 20 years now um, after your initial viewing of this movie that mm. still stick with you and you think makes this a truly wonderful movie? Um, the, the, I'm so glad that it didn't get made too soon. That's something that I'll say right off the bat because the, the necessity mm-hmm. of uh, more modernized film magic not even just cg but like modernized film magic um there's so much in this film that is theatrical because there's practical effects that are being used more often than not and that is what makes it tangible and that's what also makes it inviting while also keeping you separate like i never feel like i am being so sucked in that i can't be safe while watching the film but I also do feel like because it is so tangible as someone who's a theater person, New Orleans, I could smell it. I could taste it. And like having been now to New Orleans, I remember going and being like, mm-hmm. I'm finally here. I have been waiting. I've been waiting to be here. Mm-hmm. And and you can feel and it is because it is again so theatrical, the the design is just so spot on, the costumes and the mm-hmm. wig design the tiny details of the vampire's nails being slightly longer than everybody else's and the details mm-hmm. of like their, mm-hmm. our, our, our white skin, our fear size. Do you have any idea of the thing you would become like the way, the way the transformation from human to mm-hmm. vampire, the death of the heart into the immediate transformation. I mean, I'll never forget watching Louie going on the ground and him breathing in or or de- his death rattle and then his just his eyes and he's got the blue veins on mm-hmm. his cheeks and his eyes go from this the, the brad pitt slightly blue into this green and then his hair suddenly being thicker and when mm-hmm. he sits up and he's like now look with your vampire eyes and he sees the statue open its eyes and close it's the the, the grave of his wife and it's almost like she's looking at him mm-hmm. being like wow mm-hmm. okay 
so you're just going to walk the world alone for the rest of your life, which I think is incredible. And then the, mm-hmm. the transformation of Claudia later in the film, going from this kind of sick mm-hmm. child mm-hmm. and this child not really understanding what's happening to her into the curls rising up into the frame and her teeth getting longer and then her sitting up and going, mm-hmm. I want some more. Unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. it's that that imagery mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like... I just it's just such the makeup design, the set design, the 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 passing of time that you see as well, like the the intricate attention to what what um what a fashion looked like in 1791 at the start of the film and at the start of the book to then mm-hmm. as you get into the to, to the later 1800s. I mean, it goes about a hundred years in the time of the film and like the way that every mm-hmm. attention to detail, the bustles on the dresses, the, the, the way that the men wear their top hats and mm-hmm. their coats at towards the end of the film, rather than the beginning where it is these like, you know, it's like Marie Antoinette. I mean, everybody has the wigs on. I mean, it's just, that is what really mm-hmm. sticks. And that's also what makes the film kind of timeless. Even when we get into the nineties, when we get into like Christian Slaterland in San Francisco mm-hmm. and, and Louis just wearing like a three piece, like brown suit or like a black or whatever he's wearing. Like it is mm-hmm. very nineties mm-hmm. and the, just the attention, which is also what makes Lestat's mm-hmm. re-entrance into the film. So sad is that he's stuck and Lestat hates being yeah. stuck mm-hmm. and it's just awesome. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. awesome. So that's, that's what really sticks. And it's the, the performances, the way that there's so much intimacy because vampires do not give a fuck about decorum Mm -hmm. they don't care about like social norm and like what is proper so you'll see people standing really close to each other and they don't blink and they don't disconnect their eye contact Mm -hmm. and they hold hands and they're very comfortable with one another they're very comfortable in their bodies the way when they're in the art gallery after um louis has purged it's called the purging of of the opera de vampire they he purges the crypt and then he comes out and him and Armand have that scene in the mm-hmm. art gallery and he goes, I know, like I know what you did. And he gets so close that their noses slightly mm-hmm. graze. You better believe I know every fucking shot because I'm bisexual. But like genuinely, <laughs> like the way the way that they get so close and they're not he's not like going, get away from me. That closeness. And that understand the the blood exchange mm-hmm. and like the weird connections that they have to each other. That's what really sticks because you don't see that in other films because you don't have that or, or other vampire films, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Like there's something about this movie that there is an intimacy yes. that almost feels wrong because they're not human, but you are drawn in because that mm-hmm. is what they're designed to do. So as a viewer, I feel drawn in by their power and by their intimacy, but I also feel a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. watching it because I'm like, oh my God, is this what it would be like to be so mm-hmm. physically connected to your to your constituents? To, to and, and the idea of being a father and a brother and a lover and a mother and a, and a daughter, like it's just really wild. And you kind of mm-hmm. do again, get into that like pedophilia land where, but I think in the film, what they don't, what doesn't really mm-hmm. happen in the books because it can't in the books, in the film they really do toe that line of I never feel once like, 
like like Claudia and Louis are having sex. You know what I mean? Like I never once feel that there is like an inappropriate no, yeah. line being crossed. It is when mm-hmm. he says your lover and he says, no, my beloved. I agree. And it's very different. And it, it, that is something mm-hmm. that I really appreciate about the film mm-hmm. that they don't make it like, because one, I'll tell you something as someone who's read most of these vampire books, sex is not a thing, not a thing. Physical sex is not a thing for these vampires. Mm-hmm. The eroticism that they get is by mm-hmm. drinking blood. That is, that is, that is what they feel. That is yeah. what gets them going not they literally i have read these books and there is a scene in one of these books where they a new vampire like attempts to have sex with her maker and she and he goes you that's he was like i promise it's not going to be what you think it is and she finds that there is nothing in there in in the sexual encounter that is connected Mm -hmm. except for when they are exchanging blood and i'm like Mm -hmm. that is one so taboo and so weird but that is, again, going back to the Claudia and the Louis mm-hmm. thing, what mm-hmm. makes me feel comfortable watching the film and not feeling like this child is being abused in any way. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm rambling. But those are the things mm-hmm. that really stick with me. And like, and I, I got to be honest. No. Yeah. Louis, Louis and the, 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 the chemistry between Louis and Claudia and Lestat is just so amazing. It's and, and it's wild to see Kirsten Dunst like mm-hmm. she is acting up there with these two fucking heavy hitters and she is holding her own and actually stealing the scenes from mm-hmm. them. And like it's mm-hmm. just I don't know how. Oh, yeah. A, a like 11, 12 year old girl was able to not only be comfortable enough with these men like they must mm-hmm. have they must have really done a lot of exercises or something. But like comfortable enough to be carried around by Brad Pitt for, through half the film, and then also to like kill Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. and like <laughs> and and for you to be like fuck yeah Claudia, mm-hmm. and you're on her side, and she does convince you that she is an 80 year old woman oh, yeah. inside of that like nine year old's body. It's amazing. Those are my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my ramble. Yeah. <laughs> no, a thousand percent. It- <laughs> yeah no absolutely a thousand percent so you've touched all of mine as well uh which yeah. i love um no i think i always start with kirsten dunst in this movie because there is such it's why i attest that she is so wonderful with comedy which then makes sense mm. the next move in her career once she hit 18 was going into comedy because something I was always told as a character actor is that comedy is life or death because your character does not know they are funny. They do not know that they are on stage as the joke. So everything is still high stakes for your character while they're still making everyone laugh. And so I really find the people that understand comedy are the best are the people who are also amazing, uh, dramatic actors. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's why like David Tennant was so good as the doctor because he also broke your heart, but also like repaired, every trauma you've ever had in the same Mm -hmm. moment and so i think she's just so lovely it's one of the few times we actually see brad pitt and tom cruise perform on screen and you feel as if they do not always have the ultimate control over what's happening because especially now that tom cruise is like the the brand and like the monolith Mm -hmm. of tom cruise i always feel like he is an actor on screen Brad Pitt to even to a point where I feel like he's an actor on screen who is doing a job as an actor and portraying a role where in this, I still felt like they were fully giving themselves to the moment and letting themselves fully live through those moments. And the thing I love, it's about Louis 
that I think it really is why he's the wonderful linchpin uh, into the storytelling of this is because he is paternal, which we mm. often do not see men, especially men yes. that come about Soft in the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the deep South. Yes. Mm-hmm. We don't see them because that is the thing is he is first and foremost, a father. He is a husband, which again is normal when we're seeing women who are preyed upon because Louis is ultimately first the prey and the victim. He is first and foremost, but then the victim gets to live a story beyond their victimhood, which is Mm -hmm. something interesting about vampire stories, because uh, often it's also the only time that we see softness or intimacy is like, so before this, we'd only had serious vampire films that were of a heavy tone that were like, Lost Boys, which had come out, you know, five years before this. Yes, 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 yes. But really, this is was the highest, this was the highest budgeted vampire film in the history of film to this point. Because even though Universal had started with this brilliant idea of storytelling with the Universal Monsters, we had just come out of the 70s with like Fright Night and all these kind of ridiculous, lovely horror things that I love that are just comedy. Um, that we're seeing this kind of this genre set up things like Buffy, not the movie, but the TV show and like why we still have this kind of dark hold on serious vampire stories mm-hmm. um, because they took this, because this is ultimately uh, a story of romance. It's a story of time and war and journey that happens to have the vampire element. And I think that's what sets this story so much apart from that. Mm-hmm. So just the three of them, I think from the top. And then you also have Anto- Antonio Banderas, like, totally dominating the 25 minutes of the film that he is in just so lovely beyond (laughs) he's also so striking oh so striking Mm -hmm. can can i tell you Lindsay? he is my um he is my celebrity casting for the wizard for the wicked film i think he'd be a perfect oh my god he would be so good he would be so good because he would be fun and soft and welcoming. He also has an incredible voice because he's single-handedly been funding funding like musical theater in Spanish language for the last 20 years. Like he's producing Western mm-hmm. musicals in Spanish language in Mexico and Spain, like single-handedly. I mean, he did the revival of nine. Like he is a musical theater performer. He's lovely and talented. Uh, and he brings, but he also brings that sensibility of the Spanish romanticism, the mm-hmm. the other performative art forms in film that was being performed in other countries that we necessarily weren't seeing. Um, right. Also just from a theater history standpoint, seeing this elevated form of what theater was like in the late 1800s prior to the American musical, um, all these things, they were just, they're all these fun bits that I think I've taken for granted until now. But for me, one of the standout parts of this, and I think it really shows that having a budget to film on location really makes the difference because so much of the film, all the exteriors were filmed where they were supposed to be filmed. They were filmed in Paris. They were filmed in New Orleans. And you can tell. And you can just feel it. You can see it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It also helps. So I didn't even start thinking about this until I was in like costume history courses. Now, because I did undergrad like after I'd been a working actor in like all of these things that like in my late 20s decided to go and like actually get my degree and do costuming. And so it's one of those moments where everybody kind of forgets when you get to that late 1700s, everybody in the U.S. 
while maybe a few months behind in trends, you're dressing just like England and France is at the time. You are still dressing of the utmost of fashion if you have the money to. And so we're so, we're so focused on like what the American revolution would look like. And I was like, well, like Martha Washington still would have worn what the British aristocracy was wearing at the time. Like it is still, those were the things were accessible because there was still not that much clothing being made and created in the U S because Mm -hmm. we were still sending because that was like just after the american revolution we were Mm -hmm. still sending cotton and things over to the uk to be produced and then sent back so it was this weird supply chain and i love that they did a really succinct wonderful job of the costuming through and it's a little thing that again i didn't notice until this last time around watching that claudia they dress her like a little girl when we are in the early 1800s when she's mm-hmm. first being turned and things. Mm-hmm. But when we get to the late 1800s and she's been a vampire for 60, 70 years, yeah. um, that she is dressing like in miniature form of what adult uh, an adult woman would have worn because that is that point that we, they had developed children's clothing and children's styles, which they mm-hmm. hadn't really done in the late 1700s. It was, you know, smock dresses and things for children. Mm-hmm. But once you hit a certain age, you wore the same thing that your parents did. They were just smaller. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at that point choosing in Louis, and it shows that like Louis, a character is listening to her as a person, like as, yeah. as a, soul bonded being because truly it's one of those like they are truly soul bonded in a non-romantic way and he takes care of her Uh, because there's also like you said there's nothing i was worried about getting to the scenes where they're doing they're in paris dancing at the courts and and very much in public and it's um a thing that I was like, oh, am I going to feel really gross about this? And I was like, no, because he's still handling her with such care and softness. Mm-hmm. And in many times, if you notice, she's actually taking the lead of him. Yes. She's the one that's like the guiding force. Uh, she He will do whatever she asks because, you know, and I think those are all just things that little, just those little moments, but then also just seeing the like the French aristocracy going to the theater and what they were wearing and what they were doing in the French theater was just, it sets this film apart in such a way because it, it it is a fluffy it's, it gives the same costuming and design vibes that like a big fluffy period piece does, but it still gives you the romance of a romance new movie, but it gives you the action and supernatural aspects of something that all would not have this production value. Cause even looking at queen of the damned has a much not lower production value, but it's a much, you can tell where their money went and how they spent things. Mm -hmm. And so it was, they looked and they were like, well, it's more contemporary looking with the exception of, of, of the the goddess and so everything else is just very modern 90s vampire everybody's in leather it's gritty and Stuart townsend has eyeliner because he's just beautiful um but i think those are just they're all also i something i love about this movie that until i started reading about the new tv series that has come out which people are loving i have not watched it yet i didn't want to watch it before this because i didn't want it i I didn't want it to kind of code this conversation i did the same thing what a what a friend of mine did say that she thinks is really wonderful and you get it in the book but we don't get it in this in the movie because of how they want to tone louis story Mm -hmm. very much in the book and kind of in the new series to my understanding louis is saying one thing to the to daniel but 
the flashbacks are showing something completely different and that Louis was actually a very violent uh, vampire. Like he, they, yeah. he was saying a different story than what was the actual lived story, um, which I think because they kept it through this entire film, it, it makes me the most sympathetic to him. And I think mm-hmm. it actually works for this version. I also think it works for Brad Pitt's Louis in a way that like for another actor, like I think if Tom Cruise had been Louis, I think they could have played with the dichotomy and it would have worked. Yes. But that's also yeah. because I've seen what his Lestat is. Yes. But I think it's because it is interesting that every other vampire is so much colder and disconnected from the death aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, where he still there's something still so beautifully quote unquote human about Louis and I think it is the compassion it is that idea of soul um, mm-hmm. which is just all things that I just love about this movie yeah. um, and and I know it's long but I don't think it's too long I was there for every moment of it I will mm-hmm. say this movie makes me want to drink wine the entire time like it's a movie that if I still drank I would have probably Same. drank an if entire drank, bottle of like chilled Merlot because I'm trash yep. <laughs> yeah yes. yeah yes. oh oh yeah because it, it's just one of those that I want a ridiculous I want the largest red wine decanter yeah. that I can just do the most stupid stupid froofy handhold because mm-hmm. i saw this movie and went i really want those talent acrylics like i just want the acrylics 100 <laughs> percent. don't worry listeners no need to adjust your dial this is landline radio Welcome to the end of the dial at the end of the world. I'm the host, and we bring you stories too chilling and strange to be true, right from the heart of towns where the lines between this world and the next connect. Stories from people just like you, for those long, dark, lonely nights driving down roads that never seem to end. We'll be here, and don't worry if you can't find us. We'll find you. Leyline Radio is from Dreamer Productions and can be found monthly, exclusively starting in October on their Patreon feed. Follow the link in the show notes below to hear and enjoy. My question for you is what? Oh, well, uh-huh. I guess not. I guess not question. I'm, um, you can hear me putting vocal lozenges in my, in my mouth because I'm performing tonight. Mm. Um, something that <laughs> something that I find really interesting about the film as someone who has now read the books and I'd seen the film first, read the books after, and usually it's the other way around for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's one of those film adaptations that I, like we've been saying about like specifically the relationship between like Claudia and Louis, where it just feels like the shifts have not only like made the characters more lovable and more um, em- you're able to have more empathy and like compassion towards them and like ethos. But I, mm-hmm. I find, I find that one, obviously the, the book is 
so long um, it, and it's so detailed mm-hmm. um, and it's not, I mean, it's really not that long. I think it's only like 400 pages, something like that, but it's longer than like mm-hmm. your average, like 350 page novel. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe a little over 400 pages, but there's a lot of detail and there's obviously a lot of things that have been left mm-hmm. out from book to film because not only do they not necessarily move the plot forward, which is what you need with a film, it's like mm-hmm. you have to, you, we have to keep going. And the film is long for, in comparison to mm-hmm. other films, um, mm-hmm. because they, they managed to still oh, put yeah. in so much detail while still adding things that may or may not be necessary, but do generally move the film along. Um, the going back and rereading the book about a month and a half ago, when we first decided that we were going to do this together, I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. the the being reminded of how well and how taken care of the script was. Um, and like it it mm-hmm. hearing that they'd had the rights to this for like decades is amazing to me because it felt like mm-hmm. this movie was filmed with such care for the original the the source material. Um things mm-hmm. like uh, there were obvious changes, like in the book, Louis is not married with children. Louis, Louis's brother dies. Right. And that's what he's mourning. And that's why he's going after death. Um, and, and, you know, Louis doesn't have any sort of nice relationship with the people that he's enslaved. Like we kind of see in the film where they, mm-hmm. human because you have to show Louis's not less, but his, his respect for life. And he says that in the film where he goes, forgive mm-hmm. me for having a lingering respect for life um, before he ends up killing mm-hmm. one of, one of the women that work in the house. And then, um, and you know, he's, he's been eating all the chickens, but Lestat's been eating all the people that are enslaved on the property. Um, and then, and you know, then yeah. burning the house down and, and, um, and I think, what you were touching on earlier about Louis and his tenderness. That's why Lestat wants him so bad. Mm -hmm. And then that's also why Armand wants him so bad in the end, because Louis, Mm -hmm. Louis for Armand is the connection to the human world. And because Armand is not progressing along with the world, he can feel that he is becoming Mm -hmm. obsolete and that he doesn't know how to move about Mm -hmm. in the world anymore because Paris is stuck the the mm-hmm. Paris vampires are stuck, and Louis mm-hmm. feels like he is becoming detached to the or uh, Lestat be, feels that he is becoming detached from the world. So he wants Louis because Lestat wants a companion. But then Louis, like every child, yes. has all these questions, and he's got all these qualms because he has mm-hmm. not walked the earth not only in his human life for very long. I think he's only like maybe twenty eight, twenty nine, maybe thirty, and then. Lestat has been walking the world for, you know, centuries and centuries and centuries. And, um, Mm -hmm. and his maker also left him. And so Louis or Lestat has no answers. Mm -hmm. And in that scene where he says, you must, you know, forgive me for having a link before they set the house on fire before Louis sets the house on fire. And he says, forgive Mm -hmm. me for having, for still having a lingering respect for life. And Louis says, but you must know something about the meaning of it all. And Lestat loses his mind. He goes, why? Why should mm-hmm. I know these things? Do you know them? And then he's like, that noise. I cannot live with that noise. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just something really amazing about 
vampires having all this time and there being no meaning because you think mm-hmm. about you think about how many I mean I I I would give anything to have endless time on earth to read all the books that I'd want to read or learn how to play the violin or because mm-hmm. there's just there's simply and that's that's the beauty of human life is that there simply isn't enough mm-hmm. time so you have to enjoy what you have while you have it but mm-hmm. there's just this like incredible dichotomy of like having this gift you know like the dark gift is what they call mm-hmm. it in the book and in the film is this dark gift but they don't see it that way because they have too much of it and there's excess. And when you have too much excess, everything tastes a little Mm -hmm. less good all the time. So it's this really interesting thing that was able to go from the book into the film and these changes, like I said, like Mm -hmm. it being the brother in the, in the book, but like why on earth, like I, I, me as a viewer, if it was a brother that died, unless they, unless you, we, we had mm-hmm. to see them growing up together and their bond, which takes up so much fucking time in a film, mm-hmm. it being a, a wife and a child, mm-hmm. instant understanding, instantly understand why this man wants to kill himself, instantly yep. understanding why life has no taste mm-hmm. and has no meaning anymore. And then um, the fascination with death, making him a perfect candidate for being a vampire. And then moving along mm-hmm. i do appreciate oh yeah because claudia in the book is five years old <laughs> claudia in the book is five years Oof, old yeah and i appreciate her being a little closer to the 10 age um because not only would that be really hard to find mm-hmm. a child that looks like they're five um but that would be so beyond monstrous to see a five-year-old um doing the things that claudia does <laughs> to people mm-hmm. in the in the film um but mm-hmm. but then again like the, before claudia this scene the scene actually that leads up to louis creating claudia or beginning to create claudia the scene with the two prostitutes um with the two sex workers that get killed in the hotel room mm-hmm. and like it's a coffin my love you know and and him mm-hmm. locking this poor girl also scene stealing performance from that actress unbelievable um such an incredible actress when she's like i'm oh, not yes, dead am i absolutely. i mean it's just one of the most truly mm-hmm. i think that's one of the most like harrowing scenes in film period like it is so heart-wrenching and like mm-hmm. nail-biting and and like the slow i mean it's a horror it's a it's suddenly a horror film like her seeing the blood down her dress and mm-hmm. noticing her friend mm-hmm. has now been drained. And it's just so scary. That is directly from the book, like, like line for line, word for word, beat mm-hmm. for beat directly from the book. And it is just like ooey gooey, delicious to watch, delicious to read, delicious to experience, even though it's horrifying, mm-hmm. you can't look away. And it's like, it's just, and mm-hmm. and then him finding Claudia and Lestat happening upon him and going like, like never take a human life. Like, ha ha ha. Like my angel, my saint, him making fun of him and then dancing with the corpse of the mother who's died from the plague singing. And he's singing an Italian aria. That is 100% from the book. That like word for word, exactly from the book and him dipping her and going, there's still life in the old lady yet. That is literally from the book. And it is one of my favorite scenes in the film because it just shows how like completely uncaring Lestat is and how like wild he is. But like, truly there's, I love it. 
I, I eat it up. Tom Cruise is having the time mm-hmm. of his life playing Lestat. And those are just things that I really, really mm-hmm. love, like mm-hmm. from the book to the film. And something that you actually said was the reason mm-hmm. why Louis worked so much is that tenderness and that humanity. And like, maybe Tom Cruise would have been able to do it, but I really do think that mm-hmm. Brad Pitt was the choice because not only was Brad Pitt still really young and brooding yeah. when he was in this film, but this film came out before. So he filmed this film first and it came out, I think in like October or November of 94. And then after this, he filmed Legends of the Fall. And that came out the next year in 1995. Mm -hmm. And that really opened up Brad Pitt to this kind of like leading man world Mm -hmm. of like this, this wounded, you know, it kind of like, he kind of did the same roles for a second and it really worked for him. And Mm -hmm. it's, there's, it's because, and like, I'm not going to talk about the stuff that we know about Brad Pitt right now because Mm -hmm. it's a lot. Um, and it's extremely unfortunate and very disappointing. Um, believe people when they say that they're being abused just believe them and um but this like untouched by fame yet young brad pitt Mm -hmm. and unchanged by the world around him brad pitt is so trustworthy and Mm -hmm. that also makes like you said like the care of claudia when they're in paris and the the that nervousness that that relationship between Mm -hmm. Claudia and Louis is that way in the book as well. And Claudia is even more evil in the book. She's extremely Mm -hmm. evil, extremely wicked. And it's like Louis exchanges one dysfunctional relationship with Lestat to another with Claudia, which is why Claudia and Lestat did not get along because Claudia was more wicked than Lestat could ever be. And, and she, she had to have the reins, but that doesn't that also make the payoff when he has to turn that woman for Claudia, when she's like, give her Mm -hmm. to me, do this before you leave me. He's Mm -hmm. never made a vampire before. And then him, him procreating a vampire when he says, you have, you have killed the last thing in in me that is human. Now we're even. And she goes, you're right. We are even the reason why he's able to fucking purge that theater the opera de la the, the opera de vampire the reason why he's able to do that purge after he's been so completely betrayed by all of them mm-hmm. is because he has no humanity left and then he has to yeah. walk the world i mean it's the payoff is so devastatingly good mm-hmm. and it is exactly that in the book like it's so good i also think this is an example where it really benefited to have the author also working on the screenplay absolutely because it doesn't often happen well but it does like sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't but having her there to help them make the changes so that she can still make them work within the characters like honestly the fact that she was aware from early on that she needed to make sure that while maybe she intact some of the uh, queerness that was inherently there, she also mm-hmm. saw the changes that needed to be made so that the larger Hollywood picture also that way there weren't insinuations of for Brad and for Tom. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that's why like Louie having a wife and child 
mm-hmm. was an important move for that. Yeah. Um, also, because in that moment, you can explain away so much by going, no, 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 he was married. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. And then having Lestat be a womanizer in many ways. And again, it's not sexual. It's, um, though I always love the quote from What We Do in Shadows, where they were like, you know, when you're alive for 5,000 years, you try everything and do everything because nothing matters anymore. And you're just like, oh, shit, you're, you're so right. Um, mm-hmm. I I love something that they talk about in this that never really happens in a lot of vampire stuff, which is that idea that like you, when you turn someone into a vampire and then they're suddenly with you, sometimes they talk about covens and things, but this is a moment where it's like, what must it be like to have a child with you for literally a century? Um, because all of these vampires are suddenly acting out because they were like, oh, their 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 sire left them somewhere along the way because these vampires are not easy to kill which is also something i appreciate because it 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 cements the the idea of this secret vampire society that's also running human society um that it's it's all of those little things that i think it's the very important aspects of what makes this story so good and why i think we still have a lot of people writing in the supernatural genre that go back to Anne rice as inspiration to write vampires mm-hmm. i mean because like yes. laurel k hamilton who decided to do i know that's her pen name but she did the very um very sexy version of the this kind of vampire world with her lore uh, um her Anita Blake vampire hunter series. Um, mm. Wait. Yes. Oh yes. It's Anita Blake. But the playwright, the writer is Laura K. Hudson, but it is that, that thing that it, everybody has kind of gone back to this as the kind of modern way to tell a vampire story. And I think mm-hmm. watching this movie, it's so clear that she has been an inspiration for decades, for 50 years since mm-hmm. the book released. Um, it's so weird to me to think that, I mean, these are the 20... prototype vampires since yeah. Dracula. They absolutely like are. Yeah. yeah. This really and set I, I also have to tone. say, these are my favorite. This is my favorite mm-hmm. version of a vampire. Mm-hmm. I don't love mm-hmm. the Dracula vampire. I do not love the Twilight vampire. And oh, no, me, I hate the Twilight I was vampire. Not, I was not a buff. I didn't watch Buffy because I wasn't mm-hmm. allowed. Was yeah, not allowed to watch of course, Buffy. Yeah. But I absolutely was reading Twilight as it was coming out. Yeah. And I loved, I loved the story of Twilight. Mm-hmm. I didn't love the vampires. I didn't like no. that they were made of stone. I didn't like that they mm-hmm. were as hard as diamonds. I didn't get mm-hmm. it. I didn't understand it. But also what mm-hmm. I love about the Anne Rice vampires mm-hmm. is at the, especially in the beginning of the film when he's like the old stick through the heart. Yeah. He's like garlic doesn't, he's like, he's like, it's irritating, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, you know, he's like, it's not a thing. And he's like, but it is sunlight. And yeah. it is fire. They can only be burned. There and mm-hmm. and their and their remains must be scattered. Yeah. Or else they can somehow come back together. <sighs> I mean, Lestat was eaten by a fucking alligator. You yeah, know what I mean? Literally. Like, yeah. It, yeah. He, he, he was cut. He was drained of all of his blood. He drank the blood of a small child who had laudanum in his system, and then he still fucking comes back. Yeah. Twice. Twice. And. And he's burned. So it's one of those things. It's like, if you think about it, he's literally been scattered along scatter the... his remains. And... But what's, what's funny, I guess, if you think about it, technically, wouldn't you think that even a, a crocodile excrement, like I, but yeah. I also think that probably that crocodile died before it could actually digest him. Cause like, yes. I can only imagine what it must be to eat 
technically dead flesh. I think that he like got onto him. I mean, now we're getting to the, Mm -hmm. like the juicy shit that I love talking about films, but like, I think the crocodile latched onto him and then very weakly and lazily Lestat was like, uh, onto the side and just slowly Mm -hmm. drained the alligator Mm -hmm. and, or the Mm -hmm. croc until there was no more of that. And then, I mm-hmm. think it's a gator. I think I think gator. Gators well, yeah, it would be an alligator. Are, yes, it would be. Yeah, crocodiles are African. Yeah, yeah. We we got we, we got gators. Yeah, we got <laughs> yeah. gators down here in the south. It's the gators. Yeah. No, yeah, I definitely saw it as like a symbiotic thing that like the one mm-hmm. like he was barely able to take what he needed, but it kept him going. Yeah, and he was like, uh, and like is, the vermin of the swamp, mm-hmm. like the toads, oh, yeah. the, the rats mm-hmm. and the toads, and he's mm-hmm. also Modorato when he's playing, and uh-huh. he's like. Baby, I was like, God, I love a dramatic fucking gay. And with like uh-huh. the, oh, lace, uh-huh. the lace slowly uh-huh. flowing mm-hmm. and his decrepit hands playing the mm-hmm. piano. Mm-hmm. Oh my it's, God. It's, it's just I think heaven. It, it's I think it's why heaven. everybody has that one toxic gay friend. I think that's Have truly to. why it's low status. Simply must. <laughs> Simply must. Like absolutely so I ha- must. I have to ask the question yes. as we're approaching the end. Is there anything now that like as a as a grown ass human uh, that is like revisited and kind of lived in this world, but also taken in other media, you are your own storyteller now. Is there anything in this movie that you wish they would have changed or if you'd been at the helm, you would have maybe done a little different? Um, I have to say, I got to say no, um, because Mm -hmm. I think it's I truly do think it's an excellent adaptation. I know that some people have like issues with the pacing of the film and there does seem to be a bit like the further into Paris we go, we kind of lose a bit of pace. Yes. But it's, but here's the thing, like, and this is not looking at it through like biased eyes or through very friendly, mm-hmm. like um, anything, anything will go because I love it so much. Mm-hmm. I truly do think that the pace of the show or the show, the pace of the film Mm-hmm. It we only go at the pace of our protagonist characters. Mm-hmm. So when we are feeling slow, it's because mm-hmm. they are feeling stuck. And yep. when they we are feeling fast, it's because they're racing to get away. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. something about, and that's also a really amazing connectory energy, to, specifically to Louis. Um, and I think the only thing that I would really appreciate is, and I understand that like, you can't really change too much. Like the issues that a lot of people have with the adaptations of the films is that they're the, the characters that are so beloved in these books mm-hmm. are very specifically written to look a certain way. Yes. Um, for example, Armand, red hair, mm-hmm. Auburn, Auburn hair, brown eyes, and Armand is Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. And I don't dislike Antonio Banderas playing yeah. Armand, I think that in order to have that kind of like so ancient, so mm-hmm. fucking ancient, you don't quite know if that's a Spanish accent or Portuguese mm-hmm. or maybe like broadly mm-hmm. Eastern European mm-hmm. and the long hair and the, the red cloak and just mm-hmm. like that ethereal thing. I don't dislike that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing, like I, I think some of the things that I would maybe used to feel like I'd want to change. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think is a necessary change. Like I think young me was like, I don't understand why there's nudity, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. But Claudia seeing a beautiful naked grown woman 
and being mm-hmm. like, I'm never going to have that. Mm-hmm. And it is in the book in, in, in the, the stage, like op, the opera de vampire mm-hmm. that they strip this woman completely naked and then mesmerize her and then feed on her. And mm-hmm. everyone leaves going, what the fuck did we just watch? Yeah. <laughs> like it's supposed to shock you and it's supposed mm-hmm. to make you feel dehumanized because mm-hmm. that is what they do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then yet you're still like, do whatever you want. That's, mm-hmm. that is the lure of a vampire. So mm-hmm. I really don't think, I mean, I look at it and I think the little boy that they keep in Paris, I wish that they had made him the age that he was in the book. I think he's like a teenager. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. like 14-ish. And that somehow feels a little less predatory than having like a 10-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> um, that they're like, try him. Mm-hmm. There's, there seems to be, and not that that being under, and I do not mean this, like if you are not in a space to give consent or you are underage, you should not be being taken advantage of, period, full Agreed. stop. Like that Agreed. that just is not for up for debate, full mm-hmm. stop. And I don't even think 18 is old Mm-mm. enough for some. Mm-mm. But the him being slightly older in the book does seem to be that there is an awareness or an understanding, not making an exception, but for the time, 14-year-old mm-hmm. boys were getting married. You know yep. what I mean? And for the time, mm-hmm. 16-year-old girls were having children, if not yep. at 13, 14, 15. So if you mm-hmm. think about the context of the time period, still doesn't fucking make it okay. We'll never yep. make it okay. But it being a teenage boy who wants to be a vampire mm-hmm. and then is eventually killed because there is no use for him, which is devastating. Mm-hmm. It being like a 10-year-old boy who's like driving yep. the horse's carriage is like really weird for me. Yeah. But other than that, I like truly, I think for the time, mm-hmm. it's kind of a perfect film. I think it's kind mm-hmm. of untouchable in that way. And and I but that's just my personal opinion. I just really do believe that this is an this is an excellent a- example of mm-hmm. when Hollywood plus the writer meld and there is care taken for the 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 um the content of the film Mm -hmm. i just i don't think it's i think it's pretty damn close to like a perfect adaptation of a book yeah i agree with you i actually i think the pacing the i rarely have ever found that was perfectly paced that's kind of like my only thing is i'm like i want more deleted scenes i want mm -hmm. i wish if it was like titanic or it was a part one and a part two I would have fucking lived. I would have absolutely lived. That's why it makes sense that literally the first season of the AMC series is only going just beyond Claudia's turning. Like they're going just beyond that. So like, uh, well, because I know even season one is not done yet, but uh, it ends in like two weeks, I think. But like really leaning in because they said that like the opera de vampire is going to be like the finale of season two going into season three so like they literally they're going to keep it makes sense to if you've got because we wouldn't even thought about doing a tv show of this at the time yeah and And it would have tanked if it was a show it would have it would never it would never have seen the light of day but because it the film was so successful in its way and it's like a cult classic now there Mm -hmm. is able to be a tv show that our generation will love and the generation before us will love and then the new generation will now a thousand percent i i agree i agree wholeheartedly there so i just have one question it'll be my last question uh why do you think they have not been able to make a vampire adaptation musical work 
Every one of them has flopped within a month oh, of opening. They've yeah. never, ever been able to make it work. Why do you think that is? I mean, because we haven't seen one, like, since you and I have been working professionally, there's literally not been one for, I think, these reasons. Yeah, but I just always Yeah, the Frank Wildhorn Dracula didn't go well. Mm-hmm. Um, the oh, Lestat fresh, musical. Fresh yeah. to revive me. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I can literally, as you're saying that, I can hear I want more mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. my head. Um, to be honest, I think... Here's the thing. The question of do we need it will mm-hmm. always come up. And to be honest, I think a musical of Lestat, mm-hmm. the vampire Lestat, would be incredible. And it's a shame mm-hmm. that it didn't really work. But I mm-hmm. think the thing, one, is that the music, um, I don't think that they've ever found the right composer mm-hmm. and lyricist to be able to humanize a vampire. And mm-hmm. to make humans want to watch that shit. And also, I have to say it, these are extremely white-centric stories. And yeah. these are very, like, Eurocentric stories. And I think since we've already had Scarlet Pimpernel, and we've mm-hmm. had uh, Jekyll and Les Hyde, yeah. you know, we've had, had Les yeah. I think it's just hard. And it's not, you know, these musicals were made when we weren't really thinking about who is Mm -hmm. being represented in these stories and is it safe to have a person of color playing this role? Will, will there Mm -hmm. be harm done to them Mm -hmm. by pretending like, you know, if we set this character in this time period, et cetera, et cetera, there's a lot to think about. Like it, will this process be harmful or will, are, is anybody being represented? I think now it's kind of hard to, like I, I would say, if you're gonna make a musical, make a Buffy musical. Yeah. Like, cause that, that would be great. Yes. That mm-hmm. would be really, really great, cause you can blend all of it. It's representative. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I think, I think it's difficult to try and make Dracula work, or to try and make Lestat work, mm-hmm. or if you're gonna really do it, just do Queen of the Damned, because yeah, it's already honestly. a fucking musical. It's already yeah, a musical. It's, yeah. it's literally make it like a heavy rock punk musical mm-hmm. and you're, you're fucking set. It's already a musical. I, make it work. Yeah. But I think yeah. it's just, I don't, I don't think there's a need for it, which no. is why it doesn't work. Because we've, already, think we've already done it. Yeah, I think we're also about to have a cultural reset on commercial musical theater, like, because this is being yes. recorded in the week after, like, Sarah had her op-ed about 1776, and yep. we've all had so much to say about commercial theater coming back from COVID, so I think we are headed for a cultural reset, and so I think mm-hmm. this is maybe later. Maybe that'll be a 20 years from now as, we, as we've as we had that reset. Someone will redo that Lisette. List but what do you uh, what do you think what, what 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 do you think? i i think it's hard because like dance the vampire they went so post bella lugosi like the campiest yeah. of vampires with the big and it just didn't work and i think it's because the music we you need a rock like a metal rock sound because mm-hmm. weber got close with phantom the right tone for what Mm -hmm. phantom needed by having those electric guitars because it's Mm -hmm. even like when wicked in the uk the london orchestra of wicked leans into those uh rock licks a little more and they've got they they lean a little more into it Mm -hmm. um and so i think it's they just haven't had the right composers because we're also now in a time of like lin-manuel and pasik and paul and like uh sankoff and hein and that's just not the sound because like we got kind of close with uh american psycho with duncan she can see this later um 
Uh, and I just, you, I were don't. Able, they, Spring Awakening worked because yes. it was, this is the time period, yes. but this is what's going on inside of that. Yes. Because everything I, I, is punk rock. Yes. <laughs> like I think it's just, yeah. I just think it's not, I do not think it's where we need it. And it's also, I think it's better to tell it. I would rather have a musical film than a stage musical of it. I think at this point, put Ooh, the money into yeah. it. Also, cause right. you're going to just have producers that want to cut the money at all times. So <laughs> I just like. Yes. I, I it's also like maybe we do need to retold how we're well, telling I think, stories i think also i think in that same vein i think that a huge lesson was learned with shows like spider-man mm-hmm. turn off the dark yeah where it was like we don't need this musical and i don't yes. say that to belittle anybody's job at the work that people put in mm-hmm. absolutely not but it is do we need it yep is it probable to be done and people are going to be paid enough Mm-hmm. To make it happen backstage, to yep. manage the show, to perform the show, to play yep. the show, to dress the show, etc., to, mm-hmm. to prop the show, etc., etc., etc. Yeah. Will <clears throat> do? Or, or is there enough funding? A vampire musical, so fucking expensive. Like just period, mm-hmm. so expensive, especially if it's practical effects. Mm-hmm. But like that's also why things like um, what is that musical called? Um where the woman sets the staircase on fire as she's singing. What am I thinking? Oh, Rebecca. 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 That's mm-hmm. why it didn't really, like, it's been so hard, but it's doing well right now. Like, it's In doing Germany. great because they were finally yeah. able to make mm-hmm. it make sense. Yeah. But, like, it's difficult. It's it, there's, there's reasons why musicals like this don't last very long because even if it's a good idea, it might not necessarily be mm-hmm. a product that people want in the end. And I know that there's a world in which a vampire musical is mm-hmm. desired because vampires are always going to be yeah. pop culture. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. just part of the zeitgeist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. do did we need Spider-Man? We didn't need Lestat. We didn't no. need Dracula. Mm-hmm. And then once mm-hmm. it's done and it gets a bad reputation, it's very mm-hmm. rare for something to be able to happen again. Like we're probably not going to get another superhero yep. musical for no. decades. Probably not in our it. lifetime. We Thank God. <laughs> we don't need it. As someone you who saw I mean? Spider-Man, I saw all three versions of Spider-Man. It was not needed. It was not necessary. We don't need it. So like we don't, we don't need a bottom musical. I'm sorry. No. We don't need it. And like, in and no even, world ever. No. And, and not to like speak about any other shows, but like there are certain shows that are trying to be made that are almost grassroots that are being mm-hmm. overshadowed by musicals that yep. are being written by these like pop icons mm-hmm. and stuff that it, like, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the notebook. I want to make that very right. clear. Oh, I, no, I no, think yeah, the yeah, notebook yeah. is going to be a smash hit, but like mm-hmm. shows, shows that are being based off of films or that are being based off of books because we don't have a lot of original idea right mm-hmm. now, which is what mm-hmm. I think needs to change. I think that yep. shows like Hades town do well because mm-hmm. it's an original piece. And it's really, really good. And that's why yeah. it's successful. Because you can't you can connect it to Greek Greek mythology, but it is not something that has thing. been done mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Um also let the writers of Hades Town make the vampire let 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 them do the interview mm-hmm. with the vampire musical mm-hmm. because it's New Orleans at its core. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if like that that is the way to make it and also let women write it. Yes. That's the it'll thing. Be, is like it'll be gay reason, and it'll have the the it'll have the it'll have the sensitivity that we need it to have. Yes. And that's the thing like I said because these things have failed. It's not or because they they cannot be put beyond what they're able to do in the moment because they're either yep. being made too soon or they're being made as a cash grab. Like yes. 
it then gets the reputation of like, good luck doing Dracula at your high school. You know what I mean? Like it sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sucks. But which is also yeah. why the play Dracula works really well, but the musical doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. You know, because well, the reasons why people break out into song. Uh-huh. I don't, yep. I'm sorry, but I, I don't want to break out into Mm-mm. song Mm-mm. while someone's Mm-mm. being drained of their blood. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's not... why the, it's why there's a yeah. campiness to horror, but there's a real scariness and why the two go together. It's because I don't want him to seduce her in song. I want her to actually just be seduced. And then like, that's yes. just the thing. Like, it's just, I don't need it, a song while she's moments. eating a child. No, you know what nope. I mean? Like while Definitely Lucy not. is like, mm-hmm. is like haunting mm-hmm. a graveyard. Like yeah. I'm good. Yeah. We don't need that. Yeah. But Lindsay, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know you have a show to thank do tonight. So, so I just, much. thank you so much for coming on. So you are currently on tour for quite a few more months. Until so why don't you, yep. perfect. So why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media and where they can get tickets to see you on stage in Mean Girls? Um, you can find me pretty much everywhere uh, at Lindsay Heather Pierce. I think Twitter is at Miss Lindsay Pierce because it's my name's too long. Um, and if you just go to, if you type in Mean Girls Tour, the Mean Girls website will open and it will have all the dates. We have a lot of really great sit downs. We're going to California. We're sitting down in Florida. Um, it's going to be a really good time. If anybody that's listening from Canada, we're in Toronto for five weeks. We're in Ottawa right now. And it's a dream. It's been the time of my life. So. I I love that. So um, much. And, and also for anybody that's show. listening that doesn't know, Maddie also has another podcast called uh, Exit Stage Death. And it's yes. very, it's giving interview with a vampire. <laughs> it's very, <laughs> it absolutely it's very is. Much so. <laughs> it's giving camp. It's giving theater. It's giving scary. It's giving horror. It's great. That yeah. is the that is the best compliment we have had since very since that. this happened. So I appreciate yeah. that so much. Well, I we will have to have you back on again to do Queen of the Dam. Just clearly that, that we will have to have you back for that. <laughs> have you ever seen something in a theater that you just couldn't explain? Or have you ever thought about if dying really ain't that bad? And do you spend sleepless nights wondering exactly what happened to Natalie Wood that night on the boat? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then it's time for you to exit stage death. Exit Stage Death is the chilling true stories behind your favorite Broadway shows. Releasing bi-weekly on Tuesday starting May 24th. So if you want to find out which Broadway house is the most haunted. Talk about what killed our favorite Broadway flops. And learn about the murderous path of Mama Rose that took Gypsy Rose Lee to stardom. It's time for Places, actors. Thank you, Places. It's time to exit stage death. Saturday Morning Confidential is brought to you by Dreamer Productions and is a proud member of the Certain POV Podcast Network. You can find us on Facebook at Saturday Morning Confidential, on Instagram at SMC Pod, and on Twitter at The SMC Podcast. You can find all the shows that Certain POV has to offer at CertainPOV.com or also on Patreon at Dreamer Productions, where your donation of only $2 a month keeps constant programming coming in and supporting our new shows as we go throughout 2022. Now join us again next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.